This is the Diving Pod. I'm Jacob Seiler from Ohio State Diving. I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. Um, we always start by saying thanks, Jacob. Um, you know, I, uh, Aaron and I were talking, we, you know, we've been trying to find more athletes to interview. We've kind of been on coaches for quite a while. And uh, you're someone that kind of sticks out for us. Uh, you know, whenever the NIL came about, we started talking about that a little bit. And then sure enough on Barstool, they shared that. I'm like, oh man, like so on brand. So you, you've been a topic for Aaron and I for quite a while to try to get on. Um, and we were just like, man, he'd just be fun to talk to. So just to kind of start, you know, um, so I'm a big Ohio state fan. Like I still remember watching them when they beat Miami in the national championship and they've been my team forever. So very interested to hear how'd you find your way to Ohio state? Walk us through where you're from, how you decided that and uh, your recruitment process, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say thank you guys for, for having me on. I just, um, I mean, I didn't uh, know about the podcast until just a few weeks ago, and I've had a few long drives, so I've, I've gotten through, uh, through most of it, and I love what you guys are doing. So, nice. um, yeah, Ohio State, I, um, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, so I dove under uh, – Mike Wright was my coach for, like, five years <laughs> leading up to college. Love, love the guy. Um, and so Mike gave me a lot of direction, helped me out a lot, um, you know, which schools are good, which coaches are good. Do you know this coach? Do you know this coach? So Mike was great to talk to through all that process. And I took visits to Tennessee, obviously. And I took a visit to Ohio State and to Arizona and to Stanford. And so I took my Ohio State visit first, actually. But then I was just like, really didn't didn't know what I wanted to study, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was so like scattered about the whole thing. It was pretty stressful for me but then like once I got through those four visits I was like Ohio State's where I want to go and so I called Justin up and he's like oh um one of the other guys that was on your visit committed really quick and we're like out of space sorry bro and I was like no put me on your team like I'm not going anywhere else put me on your team that's that and he was like all right fine like come on let's do it so I had a really small scholarship my first year and that's um, gone up a little bit since then, but I got a little bit hamstrung there for a second, but I was able to uh, beg and plead Justin enough to, to let me on. And I'm happy that I did it. Best decision I ever made. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think that, that's just awesome to hear someone in your situation, looking at these top tier schools and you're like, you know what? Ohio state is the place for me and I'll do what I got to do that first year. And I, I, just, just really cool to hear that that's, that was home for you and to see all the success you're having. That, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been home for sure. And I, the, the main factors in the decision for me came down to just the, the team and the coach and how I felt about the situation. Cause like, obviously all the schools I were, was looking at are excellent, but you know, I don't have a bad thing to say about any of those programs, but I just knew I could feel that me and Justin were going to get along perfectly. And I loved the guys on their team did some crazy stuff. So I was like, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is where I need to be. You talk about Justin, just based on your Instagram, based on dives, I see you and, and fielding doing, it, it seems like Ohio state is just this place where you guys are able to just dive free. You know, I see you doing inward twisters and there was a meet, you did that front quad and it's like, <laughs> This is just, it looks like they're just having fun. Can you talk about what it's like diving there? Talk about the coach, just the, the team dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we do have fun. And I think that's a big uh, 
part of how we do things is that we all just love diving and Justin loves diving. And, you know, Justin's been around the sport for longer than I've been alive probably. And he's still just, he loves it. And that energy like extends to all of us for sure. And, uh, but we do have a lot of fun at practice. And I mean, we go hard, we train hard, but we have a lot of fun while we're doing it. And um, an example of that, we have a bunch of auxiliary boards. We normally have 11 springboards on our pool, you know, three, three meters, three, one meters for competition and like four other boards set up around the pool. So a lot of the time when we get in the water, the first thing we'll do is um, Justin calls it follow the monkey and he'll pick someone who's the monkey and you just go around and you do something on every springboard. And so a lot of the times that's okay, jump, twist till you hit. Okay. Inward twister. Okay. What if I flip a gainer, but then come out and start twisting or like, okay, who can pull out a front three and a half pike this morning? You know, some, so when we are doing that in the morning, it's either somebody will pull out something so goofy that you've just never even thought of before, or just somebody pulls out a big dive early in the morning and you're like, okay, well, I guess it's time to get it flowing, you know? So that, um, that just, we play that game all the time. And that, that energy is a really fun way. A lot of the crazy things, wacky things you've seen me do probably originated while we were doing that. But uh, just the, the energy of loving diving is really a big, big part of it. Like I love to dive just to my core. And I'm like, coming into the pool, like, okay, I want to do something sweet today. And if I have an idea and I'm like, Hey, Justin, what if we, uh, what if we tried this? And he's like, Hey, all right, if you're brave enough to do it, let's go. And I'm like, okay, okay. I, maybe I wasn't, but now I'm hamstrung into this situation. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's crazy. I love this. This, this is the energy that I, this is where I needed to be. Okay. This is, I come in hot at 8 AM, 7 30 right now before school. And it's like, all right, girls, here we go. Season started. Let's get on the boards. Let's, let's wait. Let's have a get in dive. And they're like, dude, stop. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, is that, is that mentality? I mean, I would, I would assume you've loved diving since very early on, but is that mentality of that? Just let's try it. Have you always had that since you were little, since you started diving, or is that something that has been developed throughout your diving career? Um, a little bit of both. I'd say, um, when I was a lot younger, I probably was a lot more scared. You know, I can think of like when I was learning my 10 meter dives for the first time, I spent two months walking to the end of the platform and standing there and then walking back down to before I learned my back three and a half, you know, and that was at that point, I was already 15 or 16. But when I was younger, and you know, up through the first bit of high school, it was like, I was a little more handcuffed by that fear. But then as I was learning that 10 meter list with Mike and and doing those bigger dives, and I had um, some really great club teammates that were a similar level of me uh, during that time. And so we were up, up on 10 meter learning those big dives together. And, you know, we had a lot of things we would do to try and help each other not be so scared. And like, so that period of time, I think where I was learning that 10 meter list with my club teammates was, um, where it was like, yeah, okay. You're super scared, but we got dives to do and the clock's ticking. So get up there, buddy. Let's see it. You know? And so that was a, a period of time where me and my friends just like, figured out ways to, to get through it. Like you're scared and you got to go anyway. All right, well, let's stand behind the platform and sing a goofy song for a minute and, you know, get laughing a little bit before we walk out. 
we used to sing um, that song Kokomo, like Aruba, Jamaica. <laughs> so if you if you saw somebody else being really scared, you would sneak up behind them and start singing this song in their ear, and it just made everybody laugh. And that was one of the stupid things we used to to help ourselves get going. And so once we really started doing those bigger dives and and getting into that swing of being scared and just you know push it to the back, then it started to flow a little bit more where my, you know, the gears started turning in my head and I was like, okay, maybe I could do this dive. And then I'm like, well, let's just try it. You know, one day I did 305 B on one meter just because I did a double that was especially cooking. And I was like, I bet I could take that to my head. And I just did. And, you know, I would do a bunch of triple bouncing, do 205 B on one meter, triple bouncing, 107 B triple bouncing. And just, uh, I started inching a little more into like, if I, had the idea that maybe I could do something I was like well there's only one way to find out so let's give it a go that's sweet so I got I got two kind of back to back one what's the craziest thing you've tried whether it's triple bouncing three meter one meter ten meter like it might not even be a listed dive what's something that you just all right let's see if it works so I'll uh I'll give the combo because um the answer is my freshman year, I competed all season. The The twister I did on 10 meter was an inward full out. It was 54, 52 B. Okay. And uh, so I learned that by, I did on one meter, I did triple bouncing, inward double pike, triple bouncing, inward double pike, full twist, went to three meter, did triple bouncing, inward full out. And then I went to five meter. I did inward double pike. I did inward double pike full twist and landed flat on my back. Legendary <laughs> smack. And then after I smacked on that, I was like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. So let's just go to 10 and I'll send it from here on out. So I what? learned that day and then I, I learned it. I think I did three the day that I learned it. And then maybe like one, the next tower practice. And then the next platform practice was um, a Saturday, I think, where we just do like a big, long tower practice. And it was the only dive I did all day. I think I ended up doing like 17 of them. And so I just like did reps on reps on reps. And uh, so that one, when I signed up to compete it for the first time, I typed it into dive meets and I clicked submit and it popped up an error message and said invalid dive. And so that, that felt pretty cool. Justin had to call some people and get it added to the system. That's That's sick. That's cool. Yeah. My, my next one is so I've seen your one meter. I've seen your three meter. I've seen your tower very well-rounded. What's, what would say you say is your strength? What's your, what's your favorite event? Uh, my strength is definitely platform. I usually finish the best on platform. Um, I've got like the hardest list on platform compared to other people. Um, and I think the reason for that comes down to like, I just don't jump as high as the other guys or, you know, spin quite as hard. And that's like, my board rhythm's not perfect. And I like, I get like quick too much. Like, and I'm like, I'm really small, you know, I don't weigh that much. So I don't move the board as hard as some of the bigger guys. So I can't quite do some of the huge dives, especially on three meter um, that a lot of the other guys can do. So I'm doing my like two and a half list on three meter while these other guys are cooking 307 and 407 and 109. And I'm like, that 109 just not on the cards for me like i've done it a few times and it's just funny i just totally eat it and i'm like haha that was fun you know but uh on tower since i don't have to deal with that board rhythm and my size isn't as much of a barrier it's like 
I can get up on tower and I can, I can move that 207 B, you know, I can, I can move a big twister, big arm stand. So that's where, um, where I get my best results. I feel like my form and my like sharpness, the way I hit the water, I feel like it's pretty even across all three, but I think that uh, the fact that I can really push those bigger dives on platform is the reason that I, that I get up there more in the, in the finishes. Sure. That's awesome. Um, so just a you know, we're kind of taking a little bit of a detour here and, and I don't know how much you'll actually be able to talk to us about this next part is uh, the new name, image, and likeness in NCAA. Um, you know, so, so I'm going to kind of prompt you with a few questions and you just tell, talk to us about whatever you can or what you know. You know, so how, what made you want to become a barstool athlete? I think you were the first diver that I saw got posted about. And Aaron and I were literally raving. We're like, this is the most on-brand, like, signing we've seen from them. Um, whether they knew how wild you were and crazy in, in our sport, like, like it's just perfect. You know, did you approach them? They approach you. And is that something that, how does that work with Ohio state? How does that work with just how all that's going about? Is that something your, your college is working with you on and just a lot of moving pieces? Yeah. So yeah, the first thing I agree completely, it is super on brand for me. Like if, <laughs> if a diver was the barstool version of a diver, I think I fit that bill pretty well. And yeah. so, um, but the real thing, like I didn't sign a deal or anything. Mm -hmm. A ton of athletes are barstool athletes because mm -hmm. the CEO, Dave Portnoy, like yeah. as soon as the rule got changed, he put out a video that like somebody, <laughs> I think it was a volleyball player yeah. reached out to him and he was like, yes, I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. If you're an NCAA athlete and you blink yep. at me, I'll sign you. So yep. I think it was like, they were going to send everybody some gear or whatever, but uh, so many people, like I haven't gotten anything, right. but I just thought it was, um, I thought it was really funny first of all. And I thought it would be a good way to maybe gain a little bit more exposure for the sport of diving. Cause that's yep. like, I mean, I'm on Instagram posting these things and I just like, I just want to get it out there. And they're like, I love what you guys are doing. Hopefully this podcast is reaching a lot of new people. That's awesome. So I just felt like it was a good opportunity. Like, even if it's never goes further than them posting me on Twitter and Instagram, like I got a whole bunch of new followers from that. Like I've reached some new people because of it. That's uh, honestly, it's kind of neat hearing you say that. Cause for the most part, the same reasons you, you know, pursued that is the same reason we pursued this. Like, Hey, if we can help the sport, even 0.01% it's going to be so beneficial for others. So that that's really cool. And I really admire that. Um, yeah, you know, that, so that's, that, that's really impressive. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, you know, I follow Barstool. I kind of know what they're about and they're fun and loving and there's a lot of, you know, jabs going back and forth. And I, and I love the, what they have going online. And it's very clear that they have a really, really big following. And what you alluded to is exactly, I, I mean, I applaud you. It's awesome. And it's exactly what we're trying to do here yep. is just bring more eyeballs to our sport, get more athletes involved in our sport, because, you know, if, if we can get some primo athletes signed up with some good coaching, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, you know? So, so I guess, um, you know, why don't, what are the future goals for you in the sport of diving? You know, what, you know, before we hit record, you know, you said you're a super senior, taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility, but what does the next year to five years look like for Jacob Seiler? You know, what can we expect from you in the diving world? 
So yeah, I'm taking the COVID year yeah, and I'm in my first year of grad school. So I'm super senior on the diving team. And um, I'll back it up to last year, you know, the whole season with the pandemic, like we didn't know, are we going to have big tens? Are we going to have NCAAs? Like is the Olympic trials, are the Olympics going to get canceled? So, and for the whole year, it was just uncertainty and the pandemic, like hit everybody really hard, but like, I'm no exception. I was having a rough go in a tough time for a while there. But, um, you know, I got my head on straight just in time and everything came together really well at the end of the season. And I had my best finish at Big Tens and at NCAAs that I've had in my four years. And then Olympic trials in the summer, I was super, super happy with how I did. And I had the time of my life while I was at that meet. So now this year feels just like, you know, I, I don't feel a lot of pressure. I don't feel like I need to finish a certain place or whatever. I'm really excited to just, like help my team. We got a lot of new freshmen. I'm excited to push my limits and like maybe try to learn something really crazy and just get out there and dive my butt off and, and try and beat some people. So um, as far as after that, I've had my eye on Red Bull cliff diving a little bit. And <laughs> I like, I, I try not to let my brain drift into that mode too often because then I start to scare myself because I'm like, oh, I can do this dive on tender. It went up to 27. I could do, oh, I could do that. And, and then I look up the DD and I'm like, okay, that would be the new highest DD in the world. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because I, I, I feel I'm like, yeah, I could go up to 27 and, and do this. And I would instantly have the hardest dive ever. And then it's like, okay, Jacob, take, take a step back, buddy. Like we, we got some building to do before we get there. So I have to, have to keep the handcuffs on myself on that one to, uh, you know, keep myself in a, in a good state of mind where I can just be a little more realistic. But, um, but that, that's on the, on the table for sure, especially with the facility going up in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, Steve LeBou is going to be the one in charge of the high diving over there. And I've known him for, for a long time. He used to coach me um doing sync because I did synchro with a kid from Fort Lauderdale so I would go down there and train and he would coach our synchro so um I will probably have a good opportunity to go train there once once they get that pool completely up but uh awesome. no, no guarantees there but there's some some big dives in my brain that I'm sure I could physically do so it'll just what? be a, um, a matter of getting up on the height and seeing how it really feels from up there <laughs> yeah That's at awesome. some point you gotta just you gotta go you gotta try I mean <laughs> that sounds awesome. I mean, not for me. I would, I'd be yeah. absolutely yeah. terrified out of my mind. I, I couldn't do it, but you seem like the guy that I would definitely work for. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of our senior or uh, signature questions here. Jacob, what's your favorite failure or best learning experience? Something that just didn't go well that stuck with you for the rest of your life? Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about this one a lot after you guys had reached out to me about coming on and I listened to some of it. So I was like, man, what is my favorite failure? I don't know. You know, um, with all the like wacky and hard stuff I try, like I smack all the time. So like a smack is like, oh God, I bit one, you know, it happens every day. But uh, so I was thinking about it and trying to come up with something that really hit hard. And I think I narrowed it down to my gainer three and a half twister on 10 meter. And so the first time I ever tried that, I got lost and I over twisted and I did about four and a quarter twists and I landed like flat on my side, like lucky, lucky I didn't get concussed or blow an eardrum. 
like absolutely lucky. And so after I smacked that, I was like, I was done for the day. It was a hard hit. And I was really scared, obviously, before that. And then I smack. And so we had a meet coming up the next week. And I was like, Justin, I don't even want to mess with it. Like, I'll do my front twister. We'll come back to it after that. And so then after that meet went away, Justin was like, all right, buddy, you know, we got winter nationals in uh, three weeks. So get back up there. And so I, you know, let it up some more and I, I learned it on three meter to figure out that three and a half twists. And then I like the time came to bring it back up to 10 meter. And I just really can't remember being more afraid in my whole life. I was up there just shaking, like hyperventilating, just panicking and um and I managed to take some deep breaths and calm myself down and I, I got the dive off off the platform and I had about two weeks to train it before we went to winter nationals and then at winter nationals in the final I nailed it and in my opinion it's the best dive I've ever done I've done awesome. two that have scored higher but in my opinion it's the best dive I've ever done and just to go from like absolutely biting it in a way that I was lucky that I wasn't hurt badly to being the most afraid I've ever been in my entire life that I can remember. And then to, to bring it together and to hit it in the final was just, I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. That's sweet. One more thing too, before, uh, before Heath gets his questions in, just talk about Mac in just, a general sense you seem like you have a really really good mentality of oh well it was just another smack let's get up and do it again where i come from high school setting smacking is the worst thing in the entire world at least from my perspective watching my athletes they're terrified they don't want to do it they're i don't know if it's a fear of failure or a fear of pain but talk about you know, when you do smack and if you ask me, smacking's a good thing. You're pushing yourself. That's how I see it. How, how, what goes through your brain? You know, how do you just simply shrug it off? Okay. Yeah. So, um, like I've, I've been diving since I was nine years old. I've smacked hundreds, thousands of times, you know, and, uh, I've eaten some pretty good ones. You know, I've never been like, super injured um never had a concussion from a smack i know that's something that like it can happen for sure i've seen it happen to people and that's rough but uh as far as the pain aspect like it's just a real matter of like okay you smacked like even if it's a bad one how long is that gonna hurt a few minutes rest of the day maybe like you take one of the gut pretty hard that can just like your insides feel all scrambled up and you're like, Oh man, that was like two hours ago. Something's wrong. But, um, but I, I figure if you're confident in what you're trying to do, even if it's something like really wacky and crazy, as long as you attack it and like really commit to what you're trying to do, most of the time the smacks aren't super bad. You know, the bad ones come when you aren't confident, you, like half see your spot, but you don't commit. So you hold on too long or you get lost completely. Like if something crazy wild like that happens, but I feel like in my experience, as long as you fully just attack what you're doing and really commit to it, then the smacks are never really bad. You know, you're learning something, you go short, go over. Oh, I smacked my face, landed on my balls, this or that. But you know, they're never the super legendary ones unless it's a really dramatic situation. So 
I feel like the ones that can really hurt you are just so few and far between that it's like when you're in between, you just got to take the hits and roll with it. Yeah, good call. I think we'd be super remiss to like not point out for any young listeners, any young divers or anybody really that's diving, the fact that you, who I would say like, from the outside perspective, looking in, it looks like you really just don't have fear with some of the things you try. And you just got done telling us you were so scared on 10 meter. And I think for our young listeners to hear that and to hear how to get over that really means a lot. And um, I think that's something that's really important for younger divers that look up to you and other athletes to hear, like you get scared too, you get nervous too. And it's not fun smacking, but if you can just have that mindset where it's like, I'm going to be aggressive and if I'm aggressive and I'm confident, it's probably not going to go that bad. And that's so funny. Cause that's, that's what I tell my athletes. I'm like, listen, it's going to go way worse if you baby it. It's like, if you're confident and you go for it, like if I mess the call up as the coach, I'm the first one to say that's on me. Like, and I, that doesn't help you feel better if you smack, but I'll take ownership of it. But, um, so, so as we go through some of these questions here, so what's your favorite drill to do, whether it's dry land or water as an athlete, I guess is a good question. What's your favorite drill? So I, I love doing, uh, doing belt, getting pulled in the belt. Um, when I was in high school, you know, Mike Wright was my club coach. I'm a really small guy. Mike's a really big guy and he's <laughs> good at pulling belts. So he could pull me in anything. I did 109B in the belt, 307B, 407B. And I just, I was like, Mike, what, what dive are you going to pull me in today? Like front three and a half full twist we tried, you know? And um, when I learned back three and a half on 10 meter, um, Dave Parrington pulled me in the belt. And he was like, back three and a half in the belt doesn't feel like back three and a half on 10. You're going to do back four and a half. So I did back four and a half in the belt. So, and uh, I've, I've done a lot of those bigger things, you know, nowadays with Justin, we don't, don't do anything massive and crazy, but I feel like the, the work in the belt and just being able to pop off like 10 reps really quick, you know, we'll set up the box and I'm doing platform takeoffs uh, for my back twister. And I can pop out 10 starts right there in a few minutes where 10 back twisters on 10 meter would destroy me. Like, you know, you can't get the same number of reps in the water that you can when you're doing stuff like that. And uh, belt is one where I like, especially because it's a really one-on-one scenario with the coach. Um, you know, he pulls you, you know, we stop it, we watch it on the TiVo. So it's really engaging and immediate. And uh, I feel like just the fact that you can do so many reps so fast and stay healthy and safe is really, really awesome. So I think I would put belt probably at my number one. Heath, real quick, I just had another follow-up. So talk to me about a 10-meter practice. You know, you're, you're saying you know, the reps, it's, it's great to get all the reps that you possibly can in, but there's gotta be a lot of body impact that limits those reps. How do you manage your time? And then all also getting the doesn't need to get done. How does that balance work? Yeah. So, um, during the NCAA season, we usually do two tower practices earlier in the season a week. And um, as we get closer to the championship meets, we do three normally. And so usually, you know, early in the year, it's a lot of lead ups and, you know, you take up some dives here and there. But as we get closer and it's really grind time to get those lists up, we'll do three practices a week, usually doing two of your 10 meter optionals per practice. So by the end of the week, we've done our whole list or it'll be half your list, you know, Tuesday, half Thursday and then full list on Saturday. 
And so if I'm only doing two dives up on 10 meter, I'm doing three, four, five reps. If I'm doing three dives, it's two or three reps, full list, one or two reps. So the, the number of reps we do up on 10 in one practice, probably never more than say 15 or so 20, maybe, Wow! but you're right. Like the impact is huge. And, um, I very, very rarely get injured. Haven't been injured really. Um, since I've come to college, I'm like, crunch my back. I'm like, okay, now my back hurts for a few weeks. Like it'll get better. But, um, I have a lot of what I like to call micro injuries. Um, (laughs) Oh, tweaked my tricep a little bit. Oh man. Like tweaked my neck on that last one. And it's like that kind of stuff builds up. And so, you know, there's a time really close to those championship meets where I'm like, okay, I need to stretch my shoulders extra because I tweaked them last week and I need to roll my tricep out and I need to stretch my neck and warm up my back three times more than normal. So like, it's kind of, you really ride the line between what you can handle and too much. And then uh, we kind of taper off just a little bit right before the meets to get you feeling fresh. And it usually has worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. That's just really cool to hear, you know, in, in a, in a tower practice, 15 dives at an, at a max, like that's, it's really cool to hear that, you know, I'm a springboard and, and our thing is, well, let's do, let's do 10 vols and five ops. And once we're done with that, we'll probably do a couple get out dives and then switch categories. Like we're getting tons and tons in. And I know that from a tower perspective, that's just not in the card. It just is too much, but it's cool to hear, you know, the, all the lead ups and stuff for the actual dives done off the top top platform you know it's it's a little bit less on the on the reps which does make sense it's just cool to hear about it yeah 100 i mean like on a three meter day it's more than likely that we walk into the pool and justin's like all right guys full list six of each you know that's 36 optionals not to mention the drills and stuff we do before but like if you want me to do six of each on 10 meter of my whole list (laughs) i hope you're planning my funeral for tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) like that many dives are not hitting the water from up there no way. So something that like kind of has stuck out throughout our conversation to me, it sounds like Justin really, whether it's part of your culture, I would assume it sounds like he gives you a lot of you're held very accountable to yourself. Like hearing you talk about how you treat your body as you come to the end of the season, you know, rolling your tricep out, stretching your shoulders extra. Is that something you decide on your own? Is that something that Justin kind of coordinates with you? Like, how does that work? But it just sounds like to me, there's a lot of self accountability on your team that everybody knows what they need to do and they do it. Yeah. uh, We do warm up as a team, everybody together. Um, So we have a dry land warm up where we warm up and stretch and then get in the pool. And it's usually skills and drills for a while all together. But like I get to the pool like 20 minutes before that stretch my shoulders extra you know, I just feel like an old man, like, oh, 22. Now I can't keep up with these young kids rolling into the pool. <laughs> um, but it's like, I mean, it's especially when it's um, gearing up the 10 meter list for those big meets, because those little micro injuries just start to add up. And I'm like, okay, we do this in our full team warm up, but I really think I should add, you know, a little bit extra beforehand. And that's, you know, if somebody on the team, it, it's, In my mind, it's exactly the same as like if you need to wake up 20 minutes earlier to eat a bigger breakfast 
or you need to get to the pool 20 minutes earlier to warm your shoulders up. You know, it's exactly the same thing. Like if I wake up with five minutes practice and I sprint to the pool with no breakfast and no warm up, like it's not going to be a good day. So that's just, uh, it's really more me. I'm just like, that's what I need to do for me to have a good day. And if Justin saw me rolling into the pool really late and not being ready to go, he would definitely bring it up. But that, that part mostly comes from me. And that's, I think everybody on the team is like that. You know, I'm not always the first one at the pool. A lot of time I'll get there and one or two of my teammates are already there and they're rolling out or stretching or using the, they're a gun, you know? And it's just like, if I came to the pool and didn't do that, I would have a terrible time. I wouldn't feel right about, you know, I'd be tied. I'd be hurting more. It's just not the way to go. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, before we get into a couple other questions, what was it like uh, kind of sw switching hats? You know, it's kind of funny I say the word hat because uh, you wore a pretty uh, distinct hat at AAUs. You know, what was it like for you going from athlete to coaching at AAU Nationals? You know, I got to see you on the pool deck and, and you can tell the kids all look up to you. But what was that like for you kind of switching hats there? It was an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. I, I loved having the opportunity to, to go to AAUs and coach. I've been... You know, I coached a little bit uh, before the pandemic, but it was mostly beginner kids or high school groups. And then when we came back to campus after the pandemic, um, you know, I'm getting texts from Mandy like, hey, can you start coaching with us again? And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, and then um, not nearly as many kids. It's pretty much just the competitive team now. And so, like, it really was uh, a different feeling for me. I felt before I felt kind of like, a helper. Like I come in, I help teach some little kids how to do a hurdle. And then when we came back after the pandemic, it was like, okay, now you're the assistant coach for the team. And I was like, Oh boy, I gotta, I gotta sort this out, get myself <laughs> right. And so uh, it was kind of, I had, I felt like I needed to step up a little bit and, and really be confident about what I was doing and how I was coaching them. And uh, it's been, you know, months and months before the AAU meet that I was able to build the relationships with the kids and, you know, earn their trust and earn my confidence. And it felt really good going into that meet. I had uh, 12 athletes competing and I was there alone. I was the only coach. So I had athletes in almost every single session and almost every single practice. And so I'm, I'm looking at the board across the pool and then I'm looking at the board in front of me and I'm, I've never coached a meet before ever. And so now I'm at AU nationals with 12 athletes by myself. So it was a real zero to a hundred, uh, very like straight to the deep end as far as coaching at meets, but, uh, but it was awesome. I loved it. It was really cool to, you know, be able to hang out with the kids on the pool deck in between dives and in between practices. And it was really great to see some of them like step up and, and face that situation really, really well. And, um, I got to meet a lot of other coaches and watch a lot of other people coach. And that was really cool to be in that world at a meet instead of being, um, you know, the diver. And then obviously I got to get in and compete in the one meter event and do the front quad. And that was super fun. So it was all around it. I could not have asked for it to be a, a better experience. And my kids did really well and nothing, you know, nobody did super bad or anything. Everybody did really well. And, it was awesome. So, uh, so I have to like tell you this story. So I had a, uh, an incoming freshman, uh, for, for my college I'm coaching at at Clarion. 
he was there competing in the 19 plus age group. And so he, he called me before the meet the week leading up and, and he's a good diver. He's a very, very talented diver. And he's like, you know, coach, like sometimes I go to these big meets and I, I struggle a little bit. And I said, well, why do you think you struggle? And he's like, well, I get there and I see all these awesome divers doing all these awesome dives. And I, I said, you know, his name's Zach. So I said, Zach, you have to remember, like, you're one of those awesome divers. You're also doing awesome stuff. I said, you know, so my advice for him, I'm like, you need to find a song that just kind of, you just walk into the pool and it just gives you a little bit of confidence and just do what you do at practice every day. And you'll do awesome. So he goes to this meet and I told Aaron this story, by the way. And so I look at the results and I'm like, what the heck is Jacob Seiler doing diving in this freaking one meter meet? So, you know, Zach ends up in finals getting second. So he did awesome. He lost to you. So he calls me and he goes, coach, I got second. And I'm like, yeah, I gave you good, but bad advice. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, like everything clearly worked. I said, yeah, I didn't account for Jacob Seiler being there. Like, you're just not going <laughs> to beat him. <laughs> I said, but I feel confident to say he probably will be the best male diver you'll ever dive against in your career moving forward. I said, so, and he, he said the same thing. He goes, it was like a once in a lifetime opportunity getting to dive against you. And he's like, so the advice worked. He goes, it's also a good piece of advice. Sometimes the other guy or girl is just better and, and that's okay. That's part of life. But I just, I think it was really neat to like see him in that setting. And I feel like sometimes it has to be, you know, it's definitely a compliment to you. Like a lot of people look up to you, like for him to say, that's like a neat experience and something he'll always remember diving against you. You know, so I, I joke around and I'm like, Jacob Seiler helped me a lot by, you never knew this by like, he got to come in and watch you dive and dive against you and you kicked his butt. And I'm like, man, like if Jacob Seiler wasn't there, you would have done awesome. <laughs> and then I see you do front quad and inward twister. And I'm like, yeah, and he just did a crazy list too, which helps. <laughs> but are uh, you making me blush? It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I definitely screen recorded like all of those dives you did. I'm like, I'm saving these forever and showing my kids this. Um, it was fun. I was really, um, I didn't even know there was a 19 plus um, <laughs> age group before yep. we got that. And then I, I saw one of the other coaches, Eric, um, yep. diving. And I was like, why is Eric, why is he training right now? And it, so then I like put it together and I was, the first uh, like few days of the meet, I was with uh, the younger kids on our mm -hmm. team. So three, four, five of the younger kids there. And so I'm like asking these questions and like figuring it out. And I'm like, oh, there's a 19 plus. And then the little kids on my team are like, you should compete. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to compete. Like, and then I'm like, well, maybe wait. And then I was like, okay, wait, if I competed, what list would I do? And so then I started like concocting, like what's the most ridiculous list I can possibly do. And so I ended up doing, it was front one and a half straight, which uh, that one was actually really disappointing and bad. So that was sad. But then I did a flying back one and a half tuck. I saw that. I learned it the morning of the event. Never have done it before in my life. I've done three. I did two in the morning and one in the meet. <laughs> And then I uh, did flying inward one and a half tuck, which I actually have done before because I'm a crazy dummy. Yeah. And then I did the inward one and a half full twist. And then I did 305B, 
which in the warm-up, I did three of those, and they were all just like garbage awful. I was really, my heart rate was like 700, and I just could not relax, and I was doing all my moves just way too quick and like scooting off the board, and it was it was so bad. And then finished the list with the front quad, which I led it up. I just did front three and a halves, and the front three and a halves I did in the warm-up were also just horrible and i was like oh man like anybody watching this warm-up is gonna be like should these should he be doing these dives like those were not good and then uh so it was it was really cool and and really special that i was um that i was able to calm myself down and and ride the board and get those dives in and i felt i felt really good um you know my kids that were i had two boys diving one meter at the same time so i would do a dive run over and coach them and come back and do my dive and it was really wild and, and hectic, but all my kids loved it. And it was, it was really cool to uh, have the opportunity to, to put on a little show for everybody. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Well, I think when you, when you do that, it just goes back to the beginning. Like you can just tell you love diving. Like you can just see it. Like you're like, wait, I can compete. I can do this crazy list. Let's have fun. And, and I think that's awesome for kids to get to see. Um, so the, my favorite question is what's the best advice you've either given or received? Yeah. So, um, best advice. I'll give this one to Mike, Wright. Mike is the man. And so, um, I talked about earlier the period of time when we were learning my 10 meter list and it was, you know, scary times out there. 10 meters, scary diving, scary, but, um, one of the things Mike used to always say was you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so that is uh, the way I say that is days is the fear. Like you're going to be scared. Learn to like it, you know, learn to like being afraid, learn to like being nervous, like get a little like, Ooh, you're like, Oh, that's what, that's what I've been looking for. You know that. Um, so, but Mike used to always say that get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that goes back to the, um, you know, the fear thing. Like, it's not a question of, oh, Jacob, how are you so fearless? I'm like, I'm not. I get scared every time, just like everybody else. Like, you just got to learn how to deal with it, learn how to get through it. So I, I think that one um, is both super, super important. And, uh, you know, Mike had it in a nice catchphrase uh, way there that, that stuck with me. So That's awesome. And then, so... As somebody who has been listening to the podcast, who is somebody you would like to hear us interview in the future? And I'll preface this by, we have already interviewed Mike Wright and it actually comes out tomorrow. Oh, yes. Yep. No yep. We did his last week. So, so you can't use Mike Wright because we already got him. Oh, that's oh, I'm so excited now. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to listen to that. Um, people to in well obviously justin if you can get a hold of him and uh, i could give you his number but uh justin i'm sure would have a lot of fun things to say he's always you know i've been here for four years now and he's telling me stories i've never heard before i'm like man this guy has lived some kind of life um other athletes um think about that i mean obviously the guys that went to the olympics would probably be great jordan Wendell or brando or andrew like um, get one of those guys on me and Jordan have been friends since we've been like nine years old. Love that dude. So I'm sure he would be great. And, uh, you know, already that's what I was going to say. You, you stole my answer. Yep. Uh, well, 
we will definitely um, take you up off air about trying to get some contact information from some, from, for some of those guys, um, whether it's email or something. And then kind of the last thing um, before Aaron kind of sends us home is uh, if you could give something to young athletes listening, like what would you say to them? Uh, I would say, don't forget to love what you're doing. Don't forget why you started doing it um, and push the limits. Good deal. Love it. I like Love it. it. Well, if anybody out there is listening, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our Gmail is the diving pod at email.com. Also t-shirts and hoodies are still for sale. Just go to cowingrobards.com. If you have any questions or the process of how to order them, it's pretty simple on the website. But uh, again, if you have questions, just send us an email. I'll be happy to answer that for you. And again, I'll be shipping all those out that you order. So support the podcast and we'll make it happen. And uh, thank you for joining us, Jacob. We will see you next time.